Yo, 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 good evening and happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to episode 171 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. The NFL offseason officially kicked off on Wednesday. A lot of movement, a lot of free agent signings. I'll give you what I believe are the top 10 most impactful signings. And Aaron Rodgers made his decision after coming out of the darkness. I'll give you my takes on Aaron Rodgers' decision and what this means for the rest of the NFL. And my NBA takes, we're down to 12, 13 games left in the um, NBA season. I'll give you my takes on all the happenings that are going on in the NBA. And I'm going to close with UFC 286, Usman versus Edwards 3, a trilogy. I'll give you my takes, analysis, and predictions on that fight coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 171 started. I'm going to start my opening take in the NFL. I'm going to talk about the NFL free agency period as it got kicked off on Wednesday. And I'll tell you what I believe are the most, are the 10 most impactful signings. But first, I'm going to do this one separately. And that's the subject of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers came out of the darkness and right before free agency, he went on the Pac McAfee show and he said he intends to play for the New York Jets. Now, of course, there's been a lot of speculation over the past couple of weeks about what Aaron Rodgers was going to do once he came out of that darkness. And there was a lot of signs pointing to him signing with the New York Jets. Even former NFL Live host Trey Ringle even mentioned that a deal was done. And he said this, but yet none of the NFL insiders wouldn't confirm it. Adam Schefter wouldn't confirm it. Ian Rappaport wouldn't confirm it. Diana Rossini wouldn't confirm it either. They just said they, they were just speculating. But Aaron Rodgers came out and said it. But of course, the deal has not been completed as of yet. Green Bay Packers and the Jets are supposed to be working out a deal on compensation. Of course, the question is, what is that going to look like? Is it going to be the um, Packers asking for two first-round picks? Are they be asking for a first and a third, a first and a second, and some players? I mean, what's it going to look like? We still don't know. We also don't know how long this is gonna ha- this is gonna drag out. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. It's going to happen. I mean, will it happen next week, next month, before the draft, after the draft, when it's time for OTAs to start for the Jets? That's something that's still a mystery. But what we know now is. Aaron Rodgers is no longer, will no longer be a Packer in 2023. It's obvious that the Green Bay Packers are done with it. But let's look at the football side of this. This automatically makes the Jets a competitor. 
Not saying that they are Super Bowl favorites, but they they have a chance to challenge the Buffalo Bills for the division. And this is actually some must-see TV coming. I mean, when, once Aaron Rodgers signs, who wants to see, who would want to see Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen twice a year? Who's going to say no to that? And the Jets have a young defense as well to go along with this Aaron Rodgers signing, and he's got some good players surrounding him. Some good receivers. Garen Wilson, Elijah Moore. They're de- they're young but up and coming. And of course they just signed one of his guys, Alan Lazard, to a four-year, $44 million contract. But Aaron Rodgers also wants more. He has a wish list of players that he would like to come to the Jets. One, of course, Randall Cobb, which he was able to get him back to Green Bay as part of him resigning at Green Bay he also wants to play with Odell Beckham Jr now that would be something else you want to talk about stretching the field that is if Odell Beckham Jr can get back to what he was five years ago so all we can do now is just wait and see how this is going to um, play itself out. But once this deal is signed, another question that needs to be asked is, will Aaron Rodgers commit to the offseason? Because last year, Aaron Rodgers didn't come to the Packers, to the Packers until training camp. And he didn't even play... The, the preseason and the effect showed because they got off to a slow start he was not in sync with the young receivers the question the Jets go, needs to ask themselves is and they need to ask Aaron Rodgers what are you going to do what is your offseason going to look like are you going to come you're going to come in here you're going to talk to Garen, uh, Garrett Wilson Elijah Moore of course Alan Lazard are you going to be off-season workouts? Which, of course, they can do that on their own without the coaches being there. He's going to take these guys out to dinner, get a feel for their strengths and weaknesses. That's another thing the Jets need to ask themselves before they decide to invest two to three years of their team to Aaron Rodgers. But all we can say now is stay tuned. Now let's move on to NFL free agency, the rest of it. There are a lot of signings, a lot of teams that move from team to team. Some re-signed with the same team they were. And then there's some that got cut. So I'm not going to go through all of the signings. I'm just going to give you what I believe are the 10 most impactful signings. And this is in no particular order. I think the first impactful signing was Orlando Brown signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. He got four years, $64 million, 31 and guaranteed. 
This is something that Cincinnati Bengals needed to ha- needed to happen. Because their offensive line has not been very good. I mean, it was a little bit better last year, but of course we all know the year before when they went to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow took a lot of sacks. Over the past couple of seasons, he's been sacked 92 times. Now Joe Burrow's up for a contract And the last thing you need is him getting hurt all the time. You figured they would have learned after his first season when he'd have no offensive line, he tore his ACL. But he was able to bounce back the last couple of years, take his team to a Super Bowl and an AFC championship. But this is big. He got the guy that blocked for Patrick Mahomes throughout the season and got his Super Bowl ring. So now he has a chance to block for Joe Burrow. But of course, that didn't sit well with one of the um, Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Left tackle Jonah Williams now has asked for a trade. Chances are he probably ended up getting that because Orlando Brown is a pro bowler. Jonah Williams, I mean, he's a young player, but hey. He got, he got himself a, a, an upgrade. So, I think this, this is going to be good for the Bengals. So, the offensive line should be better this year. And Joe Burrow should take less sacks. Second impactful signing, Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins. Yes, the Rams are basically shedding all their top players because they're going broke. This is as simple as that. They traded him... They, they traded Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins for a third round pick in 2023 and tight end Hunter Long. Now the Dolphins defense has been has been average last year. This year, with the secondary, they should be a lot better. And what what and what I like about this on this signing is the fact that when they play the Buffalo Bills. We're going to get to see Jalen Ramsey versus Stefan Diggs twice a year. Now, that's going to be a matchup. That's going to be a lot of fun. But the Dolphins, if they're going to compete in this division, especially now that they're, they've got Aaron Rodgers in the, possibly coming to that division, most likely coming to the division, they're going to need, they're going to need a shutdown corner like Jalen Ramsey to lock down their best receiver, possibly Garrett Wilson or Alan Lazard. The next impactful signing, Jimmy Garoppolo signs with the Raiders. He signed for three years, $72 million, $72.75 million contract, $24.25 million guaranteed. Now, once one could argue whether this is an upgrade from Derek Carr. In my personal opinion, I think it is. I mean, Jimmy G has his issues as far as injuries go. I know that because he used to play for my team. But when Jimmy is healthy, Jimmy wins. Derek Carr, I mean, even though to be fair, he, he did have a losing record as a starting quarterback. Now, of course, all it wasn't his fault I mean, he had a bad defense. 
So while this signing is pretty good for the Raiders, now the question is, what do they have that the surround Jimmy G with? I mean, they put the exclusive, um, non-exclusive franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. They need to get that done. There's no excuse for not signing Josh Jacobs. I mean, the the best friend of a quarterback is a strong running game. They, they signed Jacoby Myers from the Patriots, which, well, I mean, he's okay, but, you know, nothing to scream about. But will the Raiders build a defense to complement Jimmy Garoppolo? Because they're in the division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson. And, the most, and, the, and they're going to have to be able to get teams off the field. Jimmy G will get you down the field and get you some points. Of course, he'll give you some boneheaded plays too. So if he does make some boneheaded plays, it's going to be up to that defense to get um, teams off the field. But of course, they did want, make one mistake in my opinion. And this goes into my, to my next impactful signing. Tight end Darren Waller, they traded him to the Giants for a third round pick. What is Josh McDaniel doing here? I mean, Darren Waller, I mean, he's an excellent tight end. Okay, I get it. He's been hurt the past couple of seasons. But he ain't George Kittle. But still, Jimmy G has always found a safety blanket in a tight end. And Darren Waller would have been a great safety blanket. But... He's going to now be Daniel Jones's safety blanket now. As the Giants are looking to build. I mean, they they, they agreed to um, a four-year deal, $160 million for Daniel Jones. I don't know how much. I don't, I don't know. That's a little bit expensive. And they, and they put a non-exclusive tag on Saquon Barkley. And they re-signed their receivers. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slate. Okay, but Darren Waller, if he can stay healthy, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a good receiver, and he can create matchup nightmares for for teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles. Next impactful um, signing, Derek Carr. Derek Carr was released by the Raiders and was picked up by the. New Orleans Saints, four years, 150 million, 60 million total and guaranteed. I mean, this isn't, this isn't, I wouldn't say this, that, what makes this um, impactful is the New Orleans Saints haven't had a, had a quarterback since Drew Brees. Last year, I, they went through like, what, two or three quarterbacks? But this makes the Saints having the best quarterback in the in the NFC South. The Panthers are going to be drafting a quarterback. Atlanta, we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. And Tampa Bay just signed Baker Mayfield. And some other good news with, with going with this signing is it has picked up Jamal Williams from the Detroit Lions. So you have a one-two punch with him and Alvin Kamara. And of course they re-signed Michael Thomas. He restructured. So 
They got some playmakers for Derek Carr. And the one thing the Saints do have that's going to complement Derek Carr is they have a pretty good defense. So this is going to help Derek Carr win some more games. So this is their division to take this season. Six um, most impactful signing. Javon Hargrave signs with my San Francisco 49ers. Four years, 84 million, 40 in guarantee. I mean, the defensive line is already strong. This makes it even stronger. You put him up, you put him in the interior along with um Austin. I'm sorry. Do I like Eric Armstead? You got to rush up the interior. And you got Nick Bosa on the the edge. So this makes an already good, strong defense even stronger. So I I love this move. And this is going to work out very well for the Niners. Seven impactful signing. DJ Moore was traded to the Chicago Bears for for the Bears' number one overall pick. You gotta love this one. DJ Moore is a true is a true number. He's not he is a number one receiver. I ain't gonna say he's top five or ten, but for the for the Bears, you compliment him with Dorel Mooney. You give Justin Fields some playmakers. And you but now the question is gonna be. Will Justin Fields have time to throw to DJ Moore and Dorel Mooney and Cole Kimmett, the tight end? That's going to be the um, key. Because now they need to build an offensive line. But now, I think we're going to see the Justin Fields that we saw back at Ohio State with this sign. The Eagles kept, even though they were hemorrhaging some defensive players, they were able to keep their secondary intact. They they re-sign cornerback James Bradbury to a three-year, $38 million extension, including 20 in guaranteed money. And it looked like Darius Slade was out the door. But then they worked things out and they signed him to a three-year, $42 million contract. The Eagles were smart by making these moves. We all know that they're now have a target on their backs. And I think they're still the favorite in this division. But they have to keep their defense intact. I mean, offensively, besides losing Miles Sanders to the Panthers, the offense is still intact. I mean, Jalen Jalen Hurts is there. A.J. Brown. Devontae Devontae Smith. So, but they still need to get to be able to get teams off the field, and their secondary should be able to um, help with that. Speaking of um, the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, who usually don't make a splash in free agency, made one by by trading for. Stefan Gilmore for a fifth round pick 
Now imagine go with this guy going with with Diggs. This should make a good tandem in the back end. Because I always said this to Dallas Cowboy fans. Their back end has been their Achilles heel. I mean, they keep a good front, a good strong front seven, but the back four has been a problem for them. Now, of course, one has to ask, does Stefan Gilmore have enough gas left in the tank? He is 32 years old. Usually, when um, cornerbacks get in their 30s, like running backs, they start slowing down because they're usually up against younger, faster receivers. But I think Stefan Gilmore, I think he will be I think he will play well for them. I think he gives Dan Quinn something to work with. But one of the things the Cowboys did do is they release Ezekiel Elliott, who's been there since he was drafted. Now it's gonna be interesting to see where he gets picked up. Or whether somehow the Dallas Cowboys work out a deal. Where he, he, he decides to restructure and bring him back on. Then, of course, number 10, and the last one is Alan Lazard. Four years, $44 million. And this, this, is all, it, this move, of course, we all know what made this move, so nothing more to see there. There were a lot of signings, but I just give you what I believe were the 10 most impactful reasons, ones and why. Now out in the NFL Simic. Now let's go to the NBA. My NBA takes. First NBA take. I'm going to start off with John Morant. John Morant was suspended eight games. Of course, he was already out five games. And they added another, and the NBA decided to add another three for conduct detrimental to the, t- to the, to the league. John Morant was caught... IG online in a strip club in Colorado and had a gun on it. Of course, nobody got hurt or anything, but still. He put himself out there making himself look like he was a gangster. And of course, this isn't the first time he's had incidents. I'm not going to go through all the incidents. Of course, you can watch that the interview he had with Jalen Rose. Good interview. But one thing you've got to give the young man kudos for is admitting he has issues. The way to solve a problem is you got to admit you got it. And obviously, John Morant was saying that he's been stressed out. So now, he's in a, he's in a treatment center down in Florida. Let's hope that he gets the help that he needs. Not, not, as, not, as, not as John Morant, the basketball player, but as John Morant, the person. He has a family. He has a young daughter. His image is everything. He, has to, he, he needs to be able to keep a good name, keep the Morant name good. Because that's the last thing you want. Is have your has a, the family name get dragged through the mud over stupid stuff, and and his, and his parents need to re, need to sit him down and reel him in, 
and help and give him the help that he needs. But let's hope that this turns out to be a positive. Because this guy on the court has got to be one of the most exciting players in the NBA. I call him somewhat a human highlight reel. The Dominique Wilkins of the 21st century. Next NBA take. Damian Lillard talks about the state of the NBA currently. Damian Lillard says he's frustrated with where the league is headed. He talked about how the NBA is not the NBA he came in with. He talked about how guys are just out there ring chasing. They're not they're not they're not they don't care about the regular season anymore. And of course, Damian Lillard of course mentioning how he doesn't like super teams. How he just want how he could if he wants to go to a super team, but decided he's going to stay in Portland and try to win a ring there. One thing you can say about Damian Lillard is this guy's admirable. He's he's staying with the team that drafted him. Same thing with Giannis. But here's the problem, though. While I admire what Damian Lillard's doing, the Portland Trailblazers ain't doing enough to get that man um, the help he needs to win a ring in Portland. I mean, they traded away all the good, all, all the good players, the compliments, and they haven't replaced, they haven't replaced them with any other um, good players. You know, like a, a compliment that he once had. So Damian Lillard is basically wasting his career in Portland. And he talked about in this interview that he don't know how long he's going to play, which is understandable. While I admire, like I said, while I admire what he did, this is on Portland. Because we all know once Dame Lillard retires, that organization goes downhill. Speaking of um, guys who stick with their team, next NBA take. There's been a lot of talk about Nokia Jokic and Joel Embiid as being one and two in the MVP conversation. Let's give some love to Giannis. Giannis is averaging 32 points a game and 12 rebounds. And they're the only team in the um, Eastern Conference that has clinched a playoff now Giannis has missed a, couple, a few games with injury, but now he's back. He's, he's got the Milwaukee Bucks playing like they were two years ago on their march to the championship. So now I think it's time to have Giannis number one in my view, probably Nokia Jokic at number two, and Joel Embiid with three. So let's give. Giannis some MVP love. Next NBA take. The Denver Nuggets was the first team in the Western Conference to um clinch a playoff berth. But up until
up until their last win, re- recent win, the Denver Nuggets had lost four straight games. And their coach, Mike Malone, called out his team, calling them soft. And you know what? Nokia Jokic agreed with that. The simple fact is, they've been on top since December. But it seemed like up until their last win versus the Detroit Pistons, they've been they've been on cruise control. I mean, nobody has challenged them in the Western Conference, at least in the regular season, that is. But the question is, can they be trusted going into the playoffs? Because once the playoffs start, that's the where they're going to be judged by. And there's no excuse for the Nuggets this time. Jamal Murray's back. Aaron Gordon's playing his best ball this season. So it's put up or shut up now. For the Denver Nuggets. And finally, for my NBA take, who are the sleeper teams in each conference? I'm going to start with the East. In my view, it's the New York Knickerbockers. The New York Knickerbockers have been playing some excellent ball. They're back to where they were two years ago. I mean, Julius Randle's playing lights out. I mean, Jalen Bronson, even though he's been hurt lately, he's been playing good. And of course, Emmanuel Quickly, who I got to see last week for the first time, he's been playing lights out. So if you can get Julius Randle playing like he's playing, and this guy, Emmanuel Quickly, playing, play, play, playing some ball, along with R.J. Barrett, the Knicks could make some noise in the playoffs. But of course, I hope I don't say that because I thought they were supposed to make noise two years ago. And the Atlanta Falcons beat them four games to one. So, but I believe this year they're a better team. And it look and it looks like they're they're right now currently sitting at number four in the um, Eastern Conference. So if the playoffs were to start, I mean number five, I'm sorry. If the playoffs started today. They'd be playing the Cleveland Browns, and this would be an ex- probably one of the best matchups of the first round. This 4-5 matchup with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So watch out for the New York Knicks. And the West, it's my Lakers. They're the sleeper team. Right now, they're currently in ninth place. They're holding the fork down as best they can until LeBron gets back. LeBron should be getting evaluated, I, I believe, next week. Right now, they're, they're 36, 30, 34, and 36. They're right now in the play-in tournament, and they're in ninth place. But they got to continue to hold the fork down. They can't afford to drop games. Because now they have 12 games left in the season. They have to go on some kind of streak. And they still have a chance to get into the sixth spot. Because in front of them is the Dallas Mavericks, which they play tonight. 
They have the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are just at 500. The Golden State Warriors are in the sixth place, sixth spot right now, and they hold a tiebreaker versus the Warriors because they beat them three games to one. So, all I have to say is, if the Lakers get just even a piece of the playoffs, nobody wants to see this team. This this team has been revamped in a, in a way that LeBron needs it to be. And you got D'Angelo Russell. You have um You have D'Angelo Russell, you have um Schroeder, you have Troy Brown Jr. You have Malik Beasley. So you have yeah, LeBron has something that he's always been successful at. Shooters. And of course Anthony Davis long as he can stay healthy so now if the Lakers can make at least a run I believe they still have they need to at least make an 8 to 10 game run over these last 12 games to assure they're at least going to be in the playoffs but do if the Lakers can get to 6th place I believe watch out because all the, the fact that they would even get some rest while these play-in games are happening, that's all they need. So, watch out for my Los Angeles Lakers. If they get in the playoffs, they're going to be that sleeper team. Now that we're in my NBA segment, now let's close with UFC! UFC has an event this this weekend UFC 286 Edward Leon Edwards versus Usman the the third matchup between these two but before I talk about the main event we got ourselves a good co-main event in the lightweight division Justin Gagey versus Rafael Faziz this match this matchup looks to be a snobber knocker. A slobber knocker, that is. Vaziz, he's only been the U- he hasn't been in the UFC that long. He's he's 12 and 1. And Justin Gagey of the vet 24 and 4. Both these men's are good standing up. Both are good strikers. But Rafael Vaziz, that guy get hit. I don't think you want nobody wants to get hit by that guy. Chances are, this this matchup's probably not going to be on the ground. I think this is this is going this this is going to be, I believe, a battle. I believe it's going to go all three rounds. Chances are, there probably won't be much grappling, and if they are, chances chances are, Rafael Vazi is going to have the better to take down the fence, which he does percentage wise. So, I look for this fight to go all three rounds. I think it's going to be close throughout. I think I'm going to go with Rafael Faziz. I think Rafael Faziz I think I think he's going to I think he's going to um out 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 punch Justin Gagey and I think he wins a three-round split decision. So, close fight. 
three round split decision but I'm gonna go with Rafael Vazidis now let's go to the main event Leon Edwards versus Kamar Osman for the welterweight title now these two t- these two men have split their first two matchups first matchup Kamar Osman won on a decision the second time they fought this was a close fight it went into the championship rounds and in the last round Leon Edwards delivered a kick to the head of Kamar Osman sent him to the canvas knocking him out and winning the welterweight title chances are this fight is probably going to be as close as the first two fights Chances are both these is going to be a stand-up fight. You might see some grappling, but if there is some, if there is some grappling, and there may be a few takedowns, but Kamar Usman is not the easiest man to take down. But neither is Leon Edwards. So, I believe this fight will be on the ground 99 percent of the time. I mean, you might see him on the ground me once or twice, but I got to go with my man, Kamar Osman to win this fight in another close battle. I think it's going to, I think it's going to go to the decision. I think Kamar Osman beats Leon Edwards. Five rounds, split decision, and, re- and, and, and regains his welterweight title. So, Kamar Osman wins wins the title five round decision. And now this will conclude episode one seventy one of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You follow this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor. And wherever you find your get your podcast from, you can follow me on Twitter at GG Sports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.